following sermon was delivered at the 1030 worship service at the United Methodist Church of Kent. Please enjoy. morning is a continuation, actually the conclusion of the sermon series entitled God's Answer to the World's Need. We're reflecting especially this morning about that story that we heard a few moments ago from 1 Samuel. It's not a particularly well-known story, but it actually is a very inspirational saga. At the center of the story is one of the great heroines of the Bible, a woman named Abigail. Let's be for a moment in the spirit of prayer. May the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. The story of Abigail takes place during the time of David while Saul was still king. Saul had been threatening David and David was trying to make peace with him. At this particular point in time, David and his band of compatriots had moved for refuge into the desert of Maon. There, they encountered a group of shepherds who worked for a man named Nabal. In those days, an armed force, such as David and his men, would typically plunder whatever it wanted from a group of shepherds like this out in the fields, but David and his men treated the shepherds with great respect and kindness, taking nothing from them, and even provided them with protection for some time from brigands in the area. Now it was sheep-shearing time, and the shepherds were back at Nabal's palatial estate. Sheep-shearing was a time of celebration, where there would be food and merriment, and it was sure to be an especially big and sumptuous party at Nabal's place, because Nabal was rich. So, as we heard in the scripture reading this morning, David sent a delegation to Nabal politely asking if they might join in the festivities. Nabal's answer was basically, who are you and why should I give you anything? Get lost. At that rebuff, David was furious. In rather typical ancient Near Eastern fashion, David vowed to march in and slaughter every male in Nabal's household. An enormous disaster was thus in the making, which would have had tremendous consequences for David, who in God's plan was supposed to become the future king of Israel. David, swept up in anger over the personal insult of Nabal, was about to commit a horrible deed. He and his men were pressing quickly toward Nabal's household, with the aim of cutting to bloody pieces every male in the place. Such a merciless, over-the-top act of personal vengeance would have been a grave sin, making it difficult for David to become the future king of Israel. The entire future of David and the whole nation looked to be about to unravel. But into the scene moved Abigail, the wife of Nabal. Having been warned by one of the shepherds, she quickly gathered a large quantity of food and set out to meet David. When she met him, she took the blame for Nabal's actions on herself. She asked forgiveness, and then she presented her gift to David. 
This was an act of extraordinary grace. During the sermon series, we have noted that God's answer to the world's need is the gift of God's grace come to us in ultimate measure through Jesus Christ. Grace is undeserved blessing, kindness extended although it has not been earned. In Jesus, God shows us grace as God extends to us infinite saving love although we are not worthy. The whole story of the Bible, in fact, is a story of God's grace, as God continually blesses the people of Israel, even though they have not deserved it. But grace does not stop with God's grace shown toward humanity. Having experienced God's grace, we now are to show grace toward others, becoming instruments of God's grace in the world. And an inspiring example of that is Abigail. In the story in 1 Samuel, there were two men who were both thoroughly out of line. Nabal was stingy and rude. David was a hothead who was about to commit mass murder because he had not been invited to the party. Neither Nabal nor David was deserving of any sort of break. But Abigail became in this circumstance an agent of grace. She took the blame for everything on herself, even though she was not guilty, a rather Christ-like action we might note, and she brought a gracious gift to David, which was far beyond what he deserved. In the face of all the sinfulness in the story, Abigail acted with grace. Her humility and her graciousness struck David deeply. He suddenly recognized that he was acting rashly and it would be totally wrong for him to avenge the rebuke of Nabal by murdering Nabal's household. So he said to Abigail, praise be to God who sent you. Blessed be you because you have kept me this day from bloodshed and from avenging myself by my own hands. David saw in Abigail the hand of God, for in this crisis moment, she had been God's instrument to keep him from doing a terrible wrong. Her grace-filled behavior moved David finally to act with grace. He let Nabal's insult pass and acted instead in peace. You never hear much about Abigail, even though her story comprises an entire chapter in the Bible, perhaps because her life was not particularly extraordinary. She was an ordinary woman who lived on a sheep farm. She was somewhat better off than many of her contemporaries in that her husband, Nabal, was rich, although on the other hand, she was somewhat worse off in that her husband was also a jerk. Like many people, she had some pluses and some minuses in her life. It was nothing unusual. Even her action that is reported in 1 Samuel was nothing momentous in the history of the world. She stopped a brawl from taking place at a sheep shearing festival. It was hardly the sort of thing that would go down in the history books. Yet in the life of David, what Abigail did was extremely momentous. She drew him back 
at this point from a terrible sin. David, in going against Nabal, was about to fall into a dreadful pattern that was typical for petty warlords and kings in that day. He was about to use his power to exact bloody personal vengeance. It was the sort of thing that that King Saul, who had fallen out of favor with God, had begun doing. If David had gone ahead and murdered Nabal, he would have proven himself to be unfit to be the king of Israel, And the story in 1 Samuel would be a very sad story about a thick-headed man named Nabal and a hot-headed man named David that resulted in a massacre of innocent men. What's particularly interesting in the story is that there was only one person who was in a position to stop the whole catastrophe. David himself was too caught up in rage to stop himself David's men were not going to disobey his orders. Nabal's servants did not have the power to stop David, although it's notable that one of them took the action to tip off Abigail. And Nabal himself was too hard-headed to do anything conciliatory. Only Abigail was in a position to decisively intervene. As David said to her, unless you had hurried and come, I would have wrongfully slain the whole household of Nabal. Here the story speaks powerfully to us. Like Abigail, we live ordinary lives that will probably not go down in the history books. Yet there are circumstances where we are uniquely in a position to be an instrument of God's grace. We've each been placed by God in a unique spot in this world. We have particular gifts and talents that would be lacking in the world unless we share them. And we each have relationships with people that enable us to speak to certain other people in a fashion that no one else can do. Just as was the case with Abigail, there are times for each of us when we are the person who can bring to another individual or to a group the word of reconciliation or love, or hope that is needed. And just as was the case with Abigail, there are times when God's grace can uniquely flow through us to change the world around us. Thomas Merton once expressed this truth in these words, because God's love is in me, it can come to you from a direction, and, uh, from a different and special direction that would be closed if God did not live in me, And because God's love is in you, it can come to me from a quarter from which it would not otherwise come. If my soul were closed to God's love, God's love would be denied the particular expression which it finds through me and through no other. The story of Abigail powerfully illustrates what a difference one ordinary person can make by becoming an agent of grace for others. By showing humility, compassion, and forgiveness, she diffused a volatile situation and changed the entire outcome of a critical story. She thus becomes a powerful Old Testament example of a principle later expressed in that passage we heard from 2 Corinthians, where Paul said, God reconciled us to himself through Christ and has now given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation 
to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. On this Martin Luther King weekend, we can think of how many civil rights activists concluded that they were to be ambassadors for Christ within a very difficult situation. They took action, often making great sacrifice, and they ultimately transformed the world around them. How might we each be an ambassador for Christ today? Where might God be calling us to be agents of grace and positive change, to engage in a ministry of reconciliation so that God's appeal could be made through us? Abigail's story reminds us that the place where we can make a real difference in the world is likely to be close to home. So the scripture encourages us to let God's grace flow through us so that we might be a part of God's answer to the world's need right where we are. Charles Spurgeon summed it up well in these words, every child of God is where God has placed for some purpose. You've been wishing for some other position where you could do something for Jesus? Do not wish for anything of the kind, but serve God where you are. Our wisdom is not to desire another place, but we should each consecrate ourselves fully to the Lord and say, Lord, what would you have me do? For here I am, and by your grace, I am ready to do it. Let us pray. Eternal God, we give thanks for that wondrous grace that you pour out upon us through Jesus Christ, for how you reach to us, though we are unworthy, to work in us with your forgiveness, your wondrous love, your everlasting promises. Move us, O Lord, as we would open our hearts and lives to that grace that you are pouring upon us, so that indeed we may, drawn, may be drawn close, O Lord, to you, may be empowered by your spirit, and led then to share with you to be a part of your ministry of reconcil reconciliation in our world, to be agents of grace in our own lives. We thank you, Lord, for how you draw us into the life of your church, where we can grow in grace, and together we can be powerful witnesses in the world. We do reach out to persons in our fellowship who are in times of particular need. We remember those who are sick, and pray especially this morning for Ann Nienhaus, Tim Price, and Carol Taylor, praying for your ongoing healing power. We also remember those who are mourning and pray for the ongoing comfort of your spirit and the assurance of your eternal promises. We thank you for the larger church and pray for our fellow United Methodists this morning at the Lake Brady United Methodist Church. And we thank you for how we can reach out into the world in meaningful ways as a church, for how, for example, we can support 11 historically black colleges across the South, a part of our church's witness for a century and a half as we have sought to enable young people to find new futures through higher education. We thank you, Lord, for how we can be at work in the world at large and pray your continuing inspiration as we seek to be witnesses for you in our own time. And we thank you for how you are guiding our own church in this time of transition and pastoral leadership. Praying, Lord, you would enable us to continue to be open to your spirit as, as we are are receptive to new directions and receptive to how you are indeed guiding us to continue to grow as your people. 
Lead us, O Lord, as we open our lives to your grace, and as we then, like Abigail, would respond, becoming instruments of grace in our world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this edition of the United Methodist Church of Kent Sermon Podcast. For more information about the church, visit www.kentmethodist.org.